This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. Tonight, COVID boosters, the big news that the U.S. will recommend a third shot to fight the deadly Delta variant. When could you need that next dose? Who needs to get another vaccine and how soon could that happen? We'll have all the details and breaking news about the mask mandate on planes and trains. Americans stranded, 11,000 stuck in Afghanistan. The pressure builds on President Biden to speed up the evacuation as there's confusion at the airport. Plus, the women in the streets of Kabul protesting against the Taliban. Our conversation with veterans of the Afghan war. It's like your heart uh, being torn out. The urgent outreach tonight by the VA to help veterans who may be questioning whether their sacrifices were worth it. New video as the death toll reaches nearly 2,000. But the hopeful news tonight of more than a dozen people rescued days after the earthquake. Fake vaccine cards. The booming business is the demand for counterfeit cards soars. Where are they coming from and who's selling them? The answer might surprise you. In the nick of time, quick thinking by a bystander when a gator attacks a five-year-old's birthday party. And the ride of a lifetime for a father and son who dreamed of seeing the Statue of Liberty. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with huge news in the COVID pandemic that impacts nearly 200 million Americans. CBS News has learned that the Biden administration will recommend COVID booster shots for the Americans who received Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Now, sources tell us that those shots will be advised eight months after recipients were fully vaccinated. 
And if you have plans to travel this holiday season, that plan will include a mask. The TSA will extend its federal mask mandate on planes, trains and buses into January. And tonight, as Texas deals with a surge in new COVID cases and hospitalizations, there is breaking news about the governor of Texas, who has been a staunch opponent of vaccine and mask mandates. Well, he's tested positive for coronavirus. Governor Greg Abbott is fully vaccinated and is receiving a Regeneron treatment. But there's video of Abbott at a packed maskless event just last night. So there's a lot of news to get to. CBS's David Begno is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Lafayette, Louisiana. Good evening, David. Good evening, Nora. In addition to the people who got Pfizer and Moderna being told they need to get a booster, we expect that federal officials will say if you got that one dose of the J&J vaccine, you need a booster too. If the FDA gives the green light, the boosters could begin as early as next month. Healthcare workers and nursing home residents will be first in line, followed by the elderly and then the general population. I think it's helpful that people can try to stick with what they started with. So if you started with Pfizer, get the third immunization with Pfizer and similarly with Moderna. The case for boosters comes after new studies, which include recent data from Israel. Among people 60 and older who received the Pfizer vaccine, the risk of infection was 54 percent higher among those vaccinated in the winter compared to the spring. We released those vaccines when we had to get people fully immunized in a hurry. And we did it um, in terms of durability and length of protection, uh, doing spacing vaccines three to four weeks apart um, will often not be um, adequate for long term durability and hence the need for the boost. Hospitals continue to fill up mostly with people who are unvaccinated here at Baton Rouge General hey. in Louisiana. They had one ICU, but they opened up eight more just for COVID patients. Jeffrey Oaks and his wife Carrie are in the ICU with COVID-19 together. It's their second time contracting the virus. They thought they had natural immunity after the first time, and so they waited to get vaccinated. The Delta variant is really, really nasty. And anyone who thinks that they can just come through this, they're wrong. Dr. Chris Thomas is their physician. We have two pandemics. We have a pandemic of a Delta virus that's ravaging our community, and we have a pandemic of misinformation. I'm just frustrated that we've gotten to the point where we allow misinformation to equal medical science. They're not the same. Louisiana set a record today. They have more COVID hospitalizations than at any other point in the pandemic. The last time they set that record was yesterday. Today, Louisiana's governor said we are rapidly approaching a point where we're going to have a major failure of our health care delivery system. David Begno with that warning tonight. Thank you, David. Well, tonight, pressure is building on the Biden administration to speed up the evacuation from Afghanistan. About 1,500 people have been flown out since Saturday, but there are 11,000 Americans that are still stranded inside the country, which is now under Taliban control. Many more Afghans are also desperate to leave. CBS's Roxana Saberi reports tonight from the Kabul airport. Flights are taking off again from Kabul's airport. The U.S. had shut down the airport after some Afghans, desperate to flee the Taliban, clung to a U.S. military plane yesterday as it took off. At least four fell to their deaths. Crammed inside, one Afghan man filmed this video telling us he pushed his way in without a visa or passport. And there are still many Americans trapped with no word of when they might be able to leave. It's a huge 
you know, issue right now. And I don't know how long and what kind of solutions to be. We don't see any kind of solutions coming out of the, you know, the embassy or the airport. Now hundreds of Afghans are lining up to leave. These are all Afghans who have come to the airport to get processed by U.S. troops. And from here, they'll be getting on an American flight and heading out of Afghanistan to freedom. The Taliban say Afghans have no reason to fear their return. In their first news conference today, they issued proclamations of amnesty and reassurances to Afghan women. But there's concern about the large numbers of U.S. weapons now in their possession and if their word can be trusted. Ahmad, not his real name, says he's hiding from the Taliban after they kidnapped two of his colleagues. As an employee of the now former Afghan government, he says the Biden administration is leaving behind tens of thousands of Afghans like him who helped America. The Afghan people helped them fight terrorism, al-Qaeda. What do you think they would do to you if they found you? Well, if they take us, uh, the, the eminent uh, is, you know, death. Right now, the U.S. military controls this part of the Kabul airport. It's one way out of Afghanistan and only for a few. Most Afghans across the country realize they won't be able to leave and are resigned to an uncertain future. Nora? Roxana Saberi, thank you. Well, back here in Washington, President Biden has been saying for weeks that it was unlikely the Afghan government would fall to the Taliban. But we're now learning there was some intelligence to the contrary. CBS's Weijia Jiang is at the White House. So, so Weijia, that's the question. Were they caught off guard or did they ignore the warnings? Menorah, that is the key question, because tonight CBS News has learned that classified intelligence assessments painted an increasingly grim picture of the situation on the ground. And as recently as July, they assessed that the Taliban could capture the capital, Kabul, within weeks. But of course, that raises the question, why then? Around the exact same time, was President Biden publicly insisting it was highly unlikely that the Taliban could overrun the country? And Ouija, what about all that U.S. equipment that has now fallen into the hands of the Taliban? President Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, has confirmed that the Taliban has seized a, quote, fair amount of U.S. weaponry and equipment, adding that he does not get the sense they are going to turn any of it back over to U.S. forces. Nora. Ouija Jang, thank you. Well, tonight, we wanted to hear directly from veterans. They told us they were worried about their fellow soldiers who served and their Afghan allies. And we asked them what it's like seeing the government fall to the Taliban. A knife stabbing you in the chest. It's like it's like your heart um, being torn out. Sergeant Nick Stavanovich spent two years in Afghanistan and was devastated to see the government fall so quickly. I think it's going to be a rough few months for veterans of that war. And I think this has got the potential to not only re-traumatize, but to bring veterans into a dark, hopeless place. Dustin, what was your fear when you saw the Taliban take over? My largest fear really was the Afghanis that that helped us, uh, the interpreters uh, that risked their lives uh, for us. Captain Dustin Elias was last in Afghanistan in 2012. He's in touch with one of his Afghan interpreters on the outskirts of Kabul, desperately trying to get out. Does he fear for his life and his family's life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What will it mean if we don't get those Afghans who helped us out of that country? It'd be a dramatic failure on, on our part. Uh, these people that have risked their lives to help us, 
to, to not do the same um, and help them morally is wrong. Strategically, it's wrong, right? How can anyone trust us? Corporal Kada Kelher worked closely with women and children in Afghanistan, getting girls access to school and women to work, rights that are in jeopardy under Taliban rule. Today, we saw women protesting in the streets of Kabul, demanding their rights. And that was actually a really hopeful moment. I felt like, um, as selfish as it sounds, I'm like, oh, we did plant the seed. I don't think 20 years ago you would have seen them come out and be like, no, nah, I'm stronger than this. You're going to listen to me. Some veterans are thinking, was it worth it? Were our sacrifices worth it? It was worth it. Um, I had a thought this morning uh, of an analogy. You know, if a doctor treats somebody with cancer and the cancer goes into remission for 20 years and then it comes back and it kills the person. Was it worth it to treat the cancer? I think the person would argue that it was. We gave Afghanistan two decades of freedom. It made the world a better place. And I think veterans now have to understand, don't question whether what you did was worth it or not. Well, the VA is worried about that. We actually learned that the VA sent an email to 9 million people overnight reminding veterans that they're not alone and offering resources like the Veterans Crisis Hotline. CBS News has learned that hotline has seen a substantial increase in calls since Kabul fell on Sunday. Well, we want to turn now to Haiti, where the death toll from Saturday's earthquake now tops 1,900, and the search for survivors has been severely hampered by Tropical Storm Grace. CBS's Vladimir Dutier traveled by helicopter to a remote area that is devastated. More misery fell on Haiti today as the remnants of Tropical Depression Grace battered the country with heavy rain. We flew to the hardest-hit areas because some of the roads are blocked by mudslides. From the air, the destruction is not obvious. It's only when you get on the ground that the full scope of the devastation becomes clear. I'm standing on the rubble of what used to be a four-story hotel here in Lakai. When the earthquake struck on Saturday, several people were crushed and killed, including a former Haitian senator. And that's the thing about earthquakes. They don't discriminate. Many of the homes and businesses in Lekai, one of Haiti's largest cities, have been destroyed, forcing survivors to camp out in the open. This is the village of Manish. Mayor David Brina says 98% of the town has been obliterated. He says the most urgent need right now are tents and materials to rebuild their homes. When you get up close to these homes, you can see the full scale and destruction of the earthquake. This car was completely flattened by the collapsing building. If you look across the street here, this church has stood in the town of Manish for over 110 years, utterly destroyed. This woman says she lost her home and her sister in the quake. Mireille says she's traumatized right now and she doesn't have anywhere to go. Despite the anguish, there are small miracles. Today, 16 people were pulled out alive from a collapsed building in a neighborhood not far from here. The people in Manish tell us that while their needs are urgent, the villages in the surrounding mountains are in dire straits. The roads are completely cut off because of rubble and swollen rivers. They tell us that the only way those villagers can get medical attention is when someone carries the injured by foot, which can take up to two days. Nora? 
Vladimir Dutier, thank you. Well, tonight, federal investigators are cracking down on counterfeit COVID vaccination cards. A pharmacist in Chicago is one of the latest suspects accused of selling those bogus cards. CBS's Jeff Begays has more. Arrests connected to fake vaccination cards are on the rise. In California, this man was taken into custody after allegedly selling fakes in his bar. And many look like the real thing. The one on the right here is fake. The FBI told us that it is cracking down. It's about um, criminal activity that could possibly hurt someone else. You know you didn't get the shot. You shouldn't be carrying around the card. The market for fake cards, which sell for as much as $1,500, is growing as more businesses and institutions require proof that you are vaccinated. 3,000 fakes from China were seized in Tennessee in the last several months. On the encrypted app Telegram, there are currently 2,500 active sellers around the world. That's a number that's going up. Mark Ostrovsky's company, Checkpoint Software, looked into it. Not only is that number of groups going up, but also the number of followers that are, are, are part of that group is also going up. And that's where we see even a larger increase, almost 600%. With more than 700 colleges and universities now requiring proof of vaccination, some returning students are cheating the system and putting lives in danger. When you use a fake COVID card, you're really putting yourself into areas where you should not be unmasked. People are assuming they're safe, but they may not be. And Jeff joins us now. So is it hard for the FBI to track down these counterfeiters? Well, the people selling these fake vaccination cards, they are being bold or they're operating out in the open online. And that's why investigators say it's like child's play tracking them down. And they are operating in almost every continent. And so investigators say that it's not just the sellers who are uh, committing a crime here. It is also the people who are buying these fake vaccination cards. $1,500 for a card. That's right. When the vaccine's for free. Jeff Pegues, thank you. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Now the weather. The remnants of Tropical Storm Fred spawned a tornado near Rhonda, North Carolina, that damaged at least one home. Flash floods are also slamming the state. Emergency crews have scrambled to areas where rivers and streams are overflowing. Also tonight, flood alerts stretch all the way to upstate New York. In the west, floodwaters are raging in Flagstaff, Arizona, in areas scarred by wildfires. In Northern California tonight, a fast-moving wildfire has forced thousands of people from their homes. The Caldor Fire, northeast of Sacramento, more than tripled in size overnight. Two people have been badly burned. A news crew from our Sacramento CBS station had to weave through smoke and flames to escape danger. 
Okay, listen closely to this story. A brave man from Utah is being hailed as a hero after rescuing a woman from the jaws of an alligator. Well, it was all caught on camera at a five-year-old's birthday party at a petting zoo. An alligator named Darth Gator chomped on its trainer's hand and wouldn't let go. The man jumped on the gator's back and held on till it finally let go. Doctors were able to save the trainer's hand. How about that Darth Gator, the name of that alligator? You can call it the ride of a lifetime. We first met a father and son midway through their journey in June. Well, CBS's Nikki Batiste caught up with them as they reached the finish line. So the border to New York! That's right. Shepard Culver had dreamed of seeing the Statue of Liberty for 3,300 miles, pedaling every single one of them. It took 18 weeks, but he made it. What do you think of the Statue of Liberty right there? Was it worth it? <laughs> it was definitely worth it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He'd convinced his dad, James, to make the trip, starting from their home in Washington state and across all of America, even though Shepard is only nine years old. Are your legs tired? You know, I'm a kid. I got a lot of energy. Uh, they don't hurt as bad as my dad do when we're done. That's true. They started this adventure in 2019, but had to stop when Shep kept getting headaches and was diagnosed with diabetes. <laughs> but nothing stopped them this time. Dad, how was the journey for you? It was a wonderful bonding experience. I feel like I invested my time as his dad really well here. You'd rather be going back to school or still riding your bike with your dad? Still riding. Shepard is home now, reunited with his mom yesterday, but he's still riding high from his summer with dad. Sparkling cider. <laughs> Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. Certainly a journey they will never forget. Tomorrow on the CBS Evening News, what Afghan American families fear most about their loved ones back home. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here in Washington tomorrow. Good night. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay, and and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See that that does that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker. The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.